Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Gerald here with you. And guess what? Look at your calendar, guys. It's October. So spooky episodes all month long for Two Peas. We do that every year. This is the fifth year that we've been doing that. And four of those five years, the guest that I have on tonight has been here. So it's become a bit of a tradition, you would say. It's Jeff from Cadavercast, and he's back this year to do another spooky episode with me. What's up, brother? How are you? Not too bad. I didn't realize like that I was on four of the five years. Now I feel like honored, <laughs> but also kicking myself in the butt for not being there that one year. You well, know it was what the mean? first year. It was the first year I know what the hell I was doing, <laughs> so it's really my fault. <laughs> so first year of the show, I was just kind of piecing stuff together. Plus, I had a co-host then, so he kind of you know wanted to be part of the show. I don't know what his deal was. But ever, <laughs> ever since we got off that and we started having guest hosts, you've been here to do this with me. And it makes sense, right? I mean, Cadavercast, you and Al doing your thing over there. And you said Al's probably going to put together a list for this episode. Yep. Al's going to put together a list. I mean, horror is kind of like everything. I am yeah, like dressed head to toe horror all day, every day. You know? Of course. I love it. Yeah. Me too. Obviously, the, the decorations are up and I'm ready, man. So I got another set of Halloween lights to put outside today. My wife's like, seriously, dude, like we're good. <laughs> I was like, no, we're not. We're going to keep doing this. I know. So, I started building like um, bookcases <laughs> and stuff so we can unpack like the few boxes we have so that I have more space to hang up more lights. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, October is a special month for me, and I love doing these horror themed episodes because it is my favorite genre of film. And I'm pretty sure you fall in that category too, Jeff. That's why yep. I love that's why I love having you every October. You always bring great insight to these movies that you love in this genre. And you know, we did so this is the third of four episodes this year for the Halloween themed episodes that we're doing. We did our vampire movies with Brad which was a lot of fun. We did, uh, with your buddy Drew from Real Fills, we did our like kind of guilty pleasure horror movies, horror movies that are critically underrated, and we Ooh. we love them. That was that was a fun episode to do. And that now we're doing this episode tonight, of course, and then uh, to wrap out the month, we're going to do our top five. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I've actually been avoiding making this list, but I got to get on <laughs> it because we're recording it next week. But we're going to be doing our top five 1980s horror movies. Oh, Wow, which I have to yeah. narrow that down to, I guess I'll say 10 because obviously I'm going to have my honorables, but to <laughs> narrow that down to 10 is going to be a brutal, brutal uh, task, but I'm, uh, we'll be doing that one next week. However, tell everyone, Jeff, what are we counting down tonight, man? And this is perfect, dude. Perfect to have you on for this. What is it? Yeah, we're looking at uh, family-friendly horror. Mm -hmm, mm hmm So, Jeff, now, coming up with this list, this is... I don't know. I want to hear what you have to say, because obviously you and Al do a show that is centered around, you know, horror and spooky uh, cinema. So for me, this was tricky, though. Yeah. So what, what criteria or how old is Al now? He's like 11, right? 
Uh, he's going to turn 10 here in 10. a couple okay. months. Yeah. So my son just turned eight and then I have a little one that could care less what the hell we're watching. He's two. <laughs> But my eight-year-old is like, because, you know, he sees all the memorabilia and the T-shirts and the posters. And, you know, like, because I'm into it, he's into it, you know, which I'm sure yeah. that you have gone through that your whole life or Al's whole life, too. But it's tricky, right? So when you were coming up with this list, what really constituted uh, being eligible without giving away any titles? So my big thing was, like, I wanted the films to be, I was thinking about the whole family, right? Yeah. Including, like. I don't know, the grumpy dad who doesn't watch animation or whatever. I was trying to factor everybody in. Mm -hmm. And I wanted the movies to be like scary, like have some good spooks in them without being too scary, not being too gory. Mm -hmm. But here is the big one. Like so many of the movies that you and I grew up with Mm -hmm. have so much stuff going on with them, like in terms of sex and sexual politics and a lot of like you know, peeping Tom stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's always like, I find as a parent when I'm watching some movie with Al and you know, they're like spying on girls in underwear or something. I'm like, Oh, I got to pause this Al. Hey right. man, let's talk about. So like, I also wanted to make sure that if anybody watched any of these movies with their kids, they wouldn't have to explain consent to their children. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, know? it's funny that you mention that because the sexuality piece is more unnerving for me than, you know, the murder, <laughs> which I guess is kind of weird. But uh, it's like, my, I get, I don't I get know, where you're coming from, weird though. thing, yeah. Because like, and it's not necessarily sex itself. It's like, the, you know, the human body is a naturally occurring thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that so much of it is about like spying on girls through windows and, right. you know, grabbing a hold of girls when, you know, they didn't tell you that's okay. And yeah, I'm like, or stalking oh, them or whatever. Stalking right? them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that, man. So I, I left off ones that had that kind of creep factor to them where they were like from, <laughs> a, from a sexual perspective, you know, which is kind of what you're talking about. That's a, that's a good way to put it, the creep factor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also anything that was like overly violent, you know, like yeah. in terms of like, you know, like what we would think of as like a traditional slasher would be too violent to make this list for me personally. And then another thing is as I was coming up with this list, what I realized, Jeff, is I have 10 here, including my honorable mentions. My son's eight, like I said, so this would have happened in the last couple of years. He's actually seen all 10 of the movies that I have listed with the exception of two of them. Mm. Um, So there's two that I don't know he's quite, quite ready for yet. However, when he's Al's age, like maybe 10 years old, because he was asking me tonight, he's like, can I see, you know, we'll talk about it when it comes up on my list. And I was like, not quite, man. Like two more years, brothers. Give (laughs) me two years. So I'm interested (laughs) to see if maybe Al's seen some of those, um, you know, like pre kind of like adolescent type films that, you know, because because you, you know, my son's eight. Right. And then you have like, I don't know, I feel like that like 10 to 13 range, you can kind of start doing a little bit more stuff as far as like being comfortable showing them, you know? Yeah. Well, and it also helps that, you know, for Al, um, I'm a screenwriter and I work on films and he's been in monster movies and he's like Mm -hmm. held the puppets. So like that helps him when we're watching a movie to think like, oh, that's not really a monster. Like, I wonder where they put the puppeteer. So he's like, he's at least got that little bit of distance from them so that he can kind of, uh, you know, take in a little bit more. 
right. than I think some kids, but like gore and stuff, he still is like, nope, we watched something like uh, it was even a cartoon. It was like this new Night of the Living Dead thing. Mm-hmm. And and it's like extra gory Night of the Living Dead as an animated film. And like uh, like a guy's head cracks open and I was like, nope, we got to turn this off, dad. <laughs> you know? And you told me he was similarly like that with um, Krampus. Where it was yeah. like, you know, the dude under the car. He's like, all right, I need to take a break here. I'm <laughs> he tried, it, ready he for tried this. it again last year, too. He's yeah. every year. That's his goal is like to try to get through Krampus. And he's <laughs> I'm like, I'll let you try every year. Whatever, <laughs> yeah. man. Like one of these years you're going to do it. You know, so <laughs> let's keep trying. We'll fi- we'll figure out what that age is. And then you can report back to me. Yeah. And then I'll to let Logan wait until said year, you know, so that'd be great. We can work together in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, well look, man, uh, you know, we're doing our top five family-friendly horror movies tonight, or at least in our opinion. So any parents tuning into this, please, God, <laughs> you're the parents. Like, you run the show. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is just in our opinion. I have an eight-year-old son. My daughter just turned 20 a couple days ago, so I went through I this I with her, that. too. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's crazy, man. And she's actually in film school. She wants to be a editor and cinematographer and, you know. But I went through this with her, too, kind of showing her different stuff. And I, I remember I got in trouble with my ex-wife at the time for showing her The Dark Knight when she was like eight. And <laughs> I thought it was OK, but it turns out it wasn't, or at least not to my ex-wife's uh, point of view with the Joker and everything. So I don't want to intervene in this relationship between you and your ex-wife, but I have <laughs> I have very strong opinions on this. So we'll, oh, nice. we'll leave it at that. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, so it, it, it's tricky, which is kind of what I said at the top. It, it can be tricky. So they're your kids. You know, you were a kid, you've, you've done this, so you know what you want to do as a parent. Now, uh, Jeff, you know this, right? Because you and I are tight, and you've been on the show now. I, I said the last four Octobers you've come on, but you've also been on, you know, we've done Oscar movies together. Yep. Uh, we did Tim Burton characters together. Uh, you did holiday horror films with me. With, with, oh, that was the other one, right? I was one, trying to think of the third yeah. one. I was, I was yeah. missing that one. Which was great. But, you know, the two pieces coming to an end, man. This is the last month of the show, and I'm just kind of letting everyone know as they're tuning in kind of sporadically here so that I can kind of make some kind of mini announcement every week that October of of 2021 is going to be the last month of the show officially. I'll still be around, you know, and I'll pop back up in the new year, but I got a new job and time and, I mean, you know, just real life is just... Uh, not (laughs) leaving a lot of room for podcasting lately, so I decided that it was best for you know, work and family and all that kind of stuff. But I want to thank you for being such a huge part of the show, man. You've been a, a frequent guest, as I said, and just a great dude. And we've gotten to know, know each other. And we're obviously connected with the horror stuff, too. So I really want to thank you. And I, I think it's special that you're here for the last month of the show, too. Yeah, and I appreciate it, man. And I get it. Holy cow. I mean, podcasting takes a ton of time. So... When you got a whole bunch of work to do, I I totally understand. But in terms of months to go out, October, yeah. man, like you're going to go out on a high note here. So well, I had to do it. You. I had to do it. And, you know, I started the show um, in, in the first week in November. So it's actually going to be a five year, five years to the week that wow. for 2P. So I did run for I had a good run for five years. And I only took, I think, a month off when my uh, my newest son was born a few a couple years ago. That was the only time I really took off the show. So I, uh, I've been doing it, man, and I love doing it, and yourself included. I love the community that I've gotten to know and all these new independent shows that are on my, in my queue that I listen to weekly. And, you know, Cadavercast is one of those, and you're just a great dude, man. Al's awesome. You guys got the monkey farm over there. You guys are killing it. So I love Thanks, everything man. you do, and all your info will be in the show notes. So guys, make sure you look it up if you're a, a fan of horror movies. 
And actually, kind of what we're talking about, family-friendly horror, because it's, it's really a unique twist. And it's really cool to hear Al, this 10-year-old, kind of give his spin on some of these horror movies and horror characters. I really enjoy it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Family-friendly horror movies. Jeff from Cadavercast. I'm excited, brother. This is right up your alley. So I'm, I, before we dive into our list, do you think we're going to have any crossover, Jeff? Man... What do you think? I, I don't know. I you usually bring some more obscure ones than me. So I don't know. I went I I was telling uh my wife before, you know, I came out over to record that I was like, this feels like a weird list to me. Like I left <laughs> off a lot of stuff that people are gonna be like, yeah. Well, families like that. Yeah. And I was like, I was <laughs> my my uh criteria was very strict. Okay. So all right, well maybe you could talk a little bit about that in your picks then. Yeah. What is your number five, man? So my number five, and and they kind of go from like the hardest to watch to kind of the easiest, I guess, for, okay. you know, for kids. That's okay. kind of how I constructed it. Mm-hmm. So number five for me is 1986's The Gate. What? That's my number five, dude. Really? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Crossover immediately, right brother. the bat. Okay. Holy shit. So you okay. get it. It's a yeah. movie that's spooky as hell. Yeah. It's yeah, it's got a little little bit of gore. It's got a lot of lot of scares, but it's ultimately like kind of it's kind of tame. It's a great gateway horror movie, mm-hmm. you know. Show it I like agree. I saw it when I was a kid, and I was like, oh man, more of this. Let's go. Yeah. So this oh, so this man, movie awesome. does great. This movie does a great. This is my number five as well, by the way. But this movie does a great thing of kind of harboring that you know kids as the central figure, and you know the kids are in danger. Uh, which kind of speaks to my list a little bit overall because I feel like kids have something to connect to them. They have characters they can connect yeah. to. Like they don't really care about these, at least at, certain, at a certain age, these parental figures that are dealing with, you know, mortgages and all that. Like they don't connect to that. Do you know what I mean? That's why some of, the, <laughs> some of these things like Stranger Things and all these other things are so popular, I feel like, with the younger crowd because yeah. they, they can connect to these characters. But The Gate, man, was, I mean, I gotta love, you got to love the practical effects. And yep. there's some creepy shit in there where as a young kid, I was probably 12 or 13 when I saw this initially. And I've seen it a few times since and I love it. It's, I hold it near and dear to my heart. But, you know, the scene where he's dancing with his ghost mom and she turns into a, a dog oh, corpse. Dog. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh my God. and the thing with the little creatures, the little mini creatures running around in the bedroom. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a great flick, man. I love, I'm so excited. Like, I didn't know you were going to name this. It's, that's <laughs> awesome. That's I love that. I know, and it and um, it's wild. But like uh, one of the things that I also like about it is it's got a lot of the tropes that we expect from horror movies. You know, of like the the heavy metal album that when you play it backwards, it's yeah. got like a, you know the key <laughs> to like defeating the demons or whatever. Yeah. There's there's so much great kind of touchstone stuff in it that it spins in its own way. It's got a yeah. great sidekick who, you know, knows all about heavy metal music. I always love those characters. Yeah, so, I love it. You got to have yeah. one. You got to have one. All right, man. So we're crossing over immediately on the gate. I had 1987 on that, but I feel like maybe I'm wrong because you said 86, right? I, that's what my Blu-ray said. Oh, okay. well, I'm going <laughs> to so. take it. I'm going to take it then. I had, I had written down 87 here, but I, if Jeff is saying it, then it's 86. But, it, but that could also just be the year of production because... With my number four, I also ran into like the case said a year, and I was like, "That's not right." So, oh, okay, all right, you know. Well, why don't you give it to us, man? What's your number four? 
So my number four is uh, not 1989, like the case said, because that's the production year. Uh, 1990s Tremors. Good one, man. Good one. Yeah. I haven't seen this in far too long. I considered it, but I just haven't seen it in forever, man. Talk a little bit about why you love this one. So what's great about Tremors is like, one, the, the gore level isn't too high, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a little bit of kind of, I don't know, sexualizing of the female character thing that, like I said, was something I was trying to avoid or whatever, but it doesn't go far. It's kind of like a sweet crush kind of scenario that develops between the two characters. Sure. But it's like all during the daytime, really. Most of the movie takes place during the day. There's a couple of nighttime scenes that are real spooky, but I think in terms of a family watching it, the fact that it is set during the day, the fact that the monsters are just big, goofy looking slugs, you know, and that it is fun and funny and nobody like the human characters, they might argue, but they don't kill each other. You know, it's like very much people versus monsters. And there's something that's incredibly like responsible about Mm -hmm. the way that they handle that, that Mm -hmm. I've always found endearing about Mm -hmm. the franchise on the whole. Yeah, no, I I can I can remember that very vividly too. This is one that got screened at uh, a local theater to me. Like it was literally like in March of last year, so it was like right before COVID, and before it like you know blew up or whatever. And I didn't go, and I really really wanted to go. And then COVID happened, and I'm like, I should have fucking went to see Tremors, <laughs> and right. then you go see it on the big screen, which I've never had a chance to do on the big screen. But uh, also, I wanted to just because I haven't seen it in forever, so. Uh, this is one that's one that I maybe I'm going to revisit this October, Jeff, because it's come up a couple times on the show and I do have fond memories of that movie. So I'll have to revisit that one and check it out. Definitely. You should. It's one of our favorites. Absolutely. Yes, and of course, Drew loves Tremors. He does. Well. He does. He, and actually, he mentioned it a couple weeks ago when he was on the show. Um, all right. So the thing with my list is I've got in my collective 10, I've got three animated films. However, in my top five, what I decided to do was just pick one. And I wanted it mm-hmm. to be my favorite of those three. Now, what's interesting about that is I don't know if it's the best of those three. Uh, in fact, the other two might be considered better, like consensusly. But I just love the movie that I'm putting in my number four. And it's from Lakia Studios called Paranorman. Oh, yeah. That's my number four, man. You know, you've seen this? Yeah, it's okay. the only animated film that almost cracked my top five, but I decided against it. So, like, this was real tight for me. Yeah, like I said, I don't want to go animation crazy, so I've only got this one in my top five. But there's a couple other ones I'll talk about later that I think are equally as good. But, I mean, I just love Paranorman. I mean, it's obviously the stop motion uh, animation that they've, that studios, you know, become famous for and they just have mastered. They've won Academy Awards for and so on. Beautiful. And Paranorman is really cool because it's obviously driven towards a younger audience. I mean, my son loves it. My daughter loved it when she was younger. Obviously, I love it as I'm naming it as my number four. So it kind of reaches across generations in that way. But the kids love it for, you know, the kind of that I mentioned Stranger Things earlier, but kind of that like Stranger Things Goonies esque kind of like story told through the young eyes in the movie and our lead character Norman for the most part and how he can, you know, speak to the dead and the zombie story that plays out and so on. But what's cool for us as horror fans is all the different like homages and tropes throughout the movie that are like Easter eggs for us, the horror fanatics. I mean, there's one scene in the movie that I crack up every time my son doesn't know what I'm doing because he doesn't really know a lot about the Halloween franchise, but like his ringtone is the Halloween song. Yeah. 
And he gets a phone call, and then he looks outside. His buddy's standing outside in the sh- in the sheets, like from the original movie. He's wearing a hockey mask, you know. So they're kind of <laughs> blending different horror icons for us in that scene. Uh, but that's just one example. But I love how they kind of play on the history of horror when they made this movie. They really, you can tell that the producers and the creators of this movie were really inspired by the horror genre as a whole. And it's, but it's still a family friendly story at the, at its core. And I really love it for those reasons. And obviously it's amazing to look at too with the animation. So that's why it's my number four, man. And I think like in terms of families watching it, if the kids are spooked by the zombies, they like the zombies kind of, you know, come around at the end. We sort of get a new perspective on them, which is one of the wonderful things about that movie is it is about like understanding and listening. Mm-hmm. So, like, really great lessons. I mean, great zombies. It's hilarious. Yeah, mm-hmm. great pick. Yeah, I love that movie, man. So that's my only animated pick in the top five, but I had to give it some love. So that's my number four. You had the gates. We matched up there. You had tremors at number four. What's number three, Jeff? So my number three. Uh, I couldn't make a list of this sort without including Vincent Price, who's mm. my favorite actor of all time. And there are no Vincent Price movies more fun to watch with Al than William Castle's Vincent Price movies. And as much as I love House on Haunted Hill, it's mm. it's admittedly a bit dull. We love it. We watch it all the time. But I recognize most people would be kind of bored by it. Mm-hmm. But 1959's The Tingler mm. is a blast and it's weird and silly all the way through. Got a great, stupid-looking monster being drugged along by strings. It's real gimmicky. <laughs> um, it's a great movie to, like, uh, scare your kids during, to, like, uh, spook them. Because, of course, when, you know, William Castle had it in the theaters, he had uh, buzzers in some of the seats. So that during parts of the movie, people would, like, their seats would get buzzed. And then yeah. they would scream. And that would, like, hopefully move throughout the theater. You know, people getting scared like that. Right. Um and it's something I've been to live screenings of it where people like put little like buzzers on their hands, you know, and like sneak up behind other people and like buzz their backs and run away. And I just I feel like that like this movie is really um, it encourages that participation in a way that I think is is a great bonding moment at the same time that it is funny and weird. Uh, it's got Vincent Price and it's got some pretty good spooks in it, too. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I mean, it does everything. I saw a, like a Hitchcock documentary a while back. It's been many years and they talked about this movie and how they employed those tactics that you were talking about on the seats and everything and how it just created a different theater experience. And I never saw this one, though, but I am super, super familiar with it and kind of like in pop culture and, and hearing different people talk about it. So it's another one I need to watch, Jeff. I'm going to put it on my, <laughs> on my watch list, though. The Tingler from 1959. Good pick, man. All right, so maybe a little controversy in my number three. I don't know. I don't know, because it's not a horror movie. I mean, I to, well, as, as a kid it is, but I don't know that you would find it on in the horror section of your local video store if they still have those. But look, but look, dude, if, you know, I just thought of when I was a kid, what my family watched together that really scared me. And I was 10 years old when I saw this, maybe nine years old when I saw this. 
and it is Return to Oz. Have you ever seen that? Oh, man. Yeah, no, this thing's horrifying. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So The Wizard of Oz has always been, you know, one of my family's, you know, just a classic. I mean, we watched it every year when it came on TBS or whatever. My mom was like, come on, Wizard of Oz is on, and we had to watch it, and, you know, at the time, you would kind of roll your eyes, and now I find myself doing that with my kids. Like, let's watch The Wizard of Oz, you know, and I have it on 4K, and, like, I try oh, to yeah. int- introduce that to them. But, you know, if you really, really think about it, I mean, it's a nightmare, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's a, the whole story of this world is just a living nightmare. And uh, some would argue that's possibly what it is, is Dorothy's nightmare, uh, you know, playing out in, in, this, in this form for us to see visually. But Return to Oz really just heightened it. I mean, it came out in the 80s. The 80s were a freaking weird time, dude. So it really employed all those kind of 80s uh, horror tropes into this, like, di- it's Disney. This is a Disney movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Feruza Balk makes her um, screen debut in this movie as Dorothy. You have Jack the Pumpkinhead in it, uh, which was way before um, Jack Skellington uh, came to be. Well, not way before, but like seven years before. And all these different just like characters that we kind of knew from the first one, but they were just a little more horrific, if that's the better, lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. And Princess Mommy, dude. Oh, my God. Like, when she's sleeping headless or whatever, and she wakes up, and all, you know what I'm talking about, the scene with all yeah. the heads and the cases, <laughs> and she's coming down the hallway with no head, and, like, Dorothy's trying to escape. I mean, dude, forget about and it. And she's in charge of the, the wheelers, those yeah, guys. Dude. Those are a nightmare. The wheelers. Yeah, my wife sent me a meme the other day, too. Um, somebody was like, all these people on TikTok, they don't forget, they forget the OG, and it was like TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the army of Oz, you know? <laughs> but the, the characters are so endearing, man, but it's really... A frightening, frightening tale. Um, you know, the, the psychiatric hospital and the whole opening act or oh, whatever. Yeah. It's just scary, man. It's just really scary stuff with the screams throughout the, the hospital. And um, it's obviously like they took that premise from The Wizard of Oz and they were like, all right, let's just make this like a little more adult, I feel like is what they did. And it ended up being a really scary thing for a nine year old to watch, which is when I saw it initially. Um, and my son has seen it and he was scared by it. And that's now, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's in 2020 when we saw it. So, you know, it holds up in that respect, depending on how young the eyes are that are seeing it. But yeah, man, this is a creepy movie that, you know, I don't know if people are going to be like, why is this on a horror list? But I just, it's just scary, man. It just really scared me as a kid. No, I stand but, by it, man. Cause I think if I had, cause I, it didn't occur to me for whatever reason, I didn't look at maybe whatever shelf I have it on. I don't know. Uh, but it didn't even occur to me. And if it had, it would have at least ended up on my like list of options. Cause it is terrifying, like legitimately yeah. <laughs> scary for kids. Yeah. And I love it, man. It's such a great oh. movie. I feel like, yeah, it's great. And I love how it has the callbacks to this like classic too, you know, like, cause I was, I mean, the wizard of Oz was embedded in me, you know, from childhood. So it was cool to like, for all those different callbacks to the Emerald city and everything else and scarecrow, yeah. you know, uh, return to Oz, my number three, you had the tingler, another classic over there at your number three. What is your runner up, man? So, um, like I said, I'm trying to like, as I, as I go more like higher in the list, ones that are more and more fun and also ones that I, I don't know. Maybe it's just partial to like the way that Al and I watch movies, right? Um, and horror comedies being like at the top of our list of things to watch any given day of the week. And one that I grew up with and insisted that Al grow up with. Uh, and it's 
real funny, real stupid, but also got some great spooky monster effects is 1991's Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> nice, man. This is good shit, dude. And this it's, is, it's the silliest shit. Yeah. Um, and it's but, got great scares in it, too. Like, it's it like does. legitimately that troll is a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, it does. This is another one I haven't seen in far too long, but I did watch this many, many times back in the day. And uh, it's just hilarious. It's slapstick, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you're right, though. You, you, I mean, there's no reason why the whole family can't enjoy this. You know, it's great. And then if you've seen, you know, like um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space and you know that the uh, Kyoto Brothers or Kyoto, I never know how to pronounce it. Um, they did this, you know, the troll special effects and they have some of their killer clown masks on like background trolls at the end. So like, oh, wow, I didn't even we always that. have fun, like looking for the killer clown trolls in the back, you know, is killer clowns too much. Has Al seen that? Al has seen killer clowns. Uh, and? we were worried it was going to be too much. He definitely got a bit spooked by parts, but because it's funny and we watched it with the idea that we were going to have fun and laugh, mm-hmm. he went through it just fine. I mean, there's a bit of like gore and some big spooks in it. Yeah. He got through it. He thought it was hysterical. So I'm I think th- it's just about, about priming him. I'm thinking know? about, I'm thinking about 10 for that one too, for Logan, but he's asked, been asking about that one lately. Yeah. Al asked about it for a couple of years before I finally let uh, him try. Yeah. I think that's what's <laughs> going to happen over here too. Cause, um, I don't know if the ones out near you, but I guess Spirit Halloween has a whole Killer Clowns line this year. Oh yeah! So we went a few. We you know we've gone a few times already, and every time we're there, he's like, "Can I see that? I want to see that. That looks like I could see that." I'm like thinking to myself, "Yeah, probably," but I don't know. So I'm thinking maybe another year or two. So I was just that was a sidebar, but I just wanted to ask you about that. So yeah, it's not a bad call. Like I mean, especially again because. Al and and I feel like Al is really an exception on occasions because he has worked on monster movies. I feel like that gives him an edge, right? In, in right. a way, you know, right? Yeah, that no, I you're... didn't have. Like these legit as a kid, killer clowns when I was Al's age, like terrified me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it scared the hell out of me. But well, look, yeah. man, uh, that's your runner-up, Ernest. Scared, stupid, good pick, man. I, another one I need to revisit, and maybe I'll do it this month, actually. But that's a great pick, man. Now, my number two is—I uh, feel like a no-brainer, and it might be on your list, or maybe in your honorable mentions at least. But I don't know. It's hard to really go wrong with Spielberg in the '80s, and you know, he did this thing where. He could really almost invent the family-friendly horror genre in the '80s because he had so many, you know, ways of producing a film and, in some cases, directing them where they were like scary enough to really get the adults to jump, and the kids would obviously be scared too by the by the premise. And then you have a filmmaker like Joe Dante with movies like The Burbs and Matinee, and like in, in the '80s, he was just doing these films that were really. On that line, like if there was a line where you could go this side and you're way too far past family and you could go this side and it's kind of like cheesy, he was right there. You know, he was towing that line and he didn't do it any better than with 84's Gremlins. That's my number two. That's my runner up. And it was hard to not make it my number one. But Gremlins is a movie that I watch at least once a year, usually around Christmas time. And Logan, Logan just saw it actually this past holiday season for the first time. And this, ho- and this holiday season, we're going to do Gremlins 2, most likely, because he hasn't seen that one yet. But I don't know, man. It's just these iconic characters like Gizmo and 
I mean, right? I mean, it's just like it's yeah. so it's such a just I don't know. I feel like I, I'm having a hard time explaining it, but that Spielberg Dante kind of like marriage with some of these movies were so perfect for families. I feel like, and they yeah, were like and gateway all movies. Three so. of them that you mentioned as well, because like yeah. my when I was trying to put together this list, I was like, oh, Gremlins. Oh, but oh, the burbs, but yeah. oh, matinee, right? Like, I actually was like looking at all three of them, going, I didn't, uh, right, 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 exactly. Like, I didn't, I didn't yeah, know what he, to do with it because they were they're all so great. And Al and I love the burbs, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know that that's going to appeal to a lot of kids. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but yeah, and you know, it's tough too because you think about it, and you go, well, Gizmo is literally the cutest shit. Like that was Aww. Baby Yoda in, in the eighties. I mean, you know, Baby Yoda's the thing now. <laughs> you know, that was that, that's what that yeah. was. I mean, that was literally Baby Yoda with a different skin or whatever. It was just so cute. Everybody owned it. Wanted to have the plush and like it was just this phenomenon. So, and it's obviously a cute, cuddly thing that any kid from like three years old and up is going to see it go, Oh my God, like that's the cutest thing I've ever seen. I'm not saying take a three-year-old to see gremlins, but you know, it's going (laughs) to, in other words, it's drawing in that audience just based on the merchandising and the marketing. Oh yeah. But when you sit down to watch it, I mean, there's some stuff in it, you know, there's some jump scares and some like, difficult stuff you know the story about the santa claus getting stuck in the chimney and oh it's so know, good finding out you know uh spo- spoilers for an 85 movie but anyway phoebe kate's a story about her dad basically and you know that's pretty heart-wrenching and especially if your kids are still doing the santa claus thing so be careful with that but generally speaking when it comes to the horror aspects of the movie i feel like it's pretty easy to en- enjoy this and part two as well with the family yeah, and Gremlins, you know, it starts off with a good amount of horror, and then the more you know the Gremlins, the goofier it gets, you know, then they're playing cards, and they've got yeah. little puppets, and, and it just <laughs> kind of goes off the wall, so it's like right at the point where you're like, okay, this may be too scary, it just it goes bonkers. Yeah, it really does. The whole bar scene, man, was just, uh, it's just a mastery, you know, and I've seen, yeah. I've seen Joe Dante talk about the night they filmed that, and it's just great. I, I just would have loved to have been just a key grip on that scene, in, in that, on that set, you know? It's one of the best scenes, like, oh. in any monster movie ever. It's just they, so good. They do so much with those gremlins in that scene. Just so good. And Phoebe Cates was the crush in the 80s for me, brother. If oh, I had one boy. 80s crush, it's Phoebe Cates. So... Uh, she's in there too, which doesn't hurt. Gremlins, my runner-up, man. And we are up to our number ones. Jeff, how you feeling, man? That's good. So we had crossover right away with the gate. And I know. ever since then, we've been kind of all over the place. What do you got at number one, man? All right. So my number one, I man, like <laughs> when you asked me this, I knew exactly what was going to be here. I tried to think, is there a better one than this? But this is not only, I think, the best horror comedy of all time the best family friendly horror movie of all time maybe the best universal monster movie Mm. that there is uh and it's 1948's abbott and costello meet frankenstein yeah good shit dude i've got another universal monster movie in my in my honorables it's not this one spoilers but uh good stuff man an absolute classic a stone cold classic Al love and I so love much. Abbott and Costello in general, but like this movie has no business being as good as it is for just like put Abbott and Costello and monsters together. Like 
there are some really great horror scenes in this mm-hmm. when, you know, Dracula is coming up out of the his coffin, you know, and they're in like the museum or whatever. And there's sort of this farcical thing that's comedic, but it's also really horrifying, too. And it's played like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, the balance is perfect. I. I can think of very few movies that I think are as quality on all fronts as Abner Costello meet Frankenstein. Is Al uh, with you on this, the affinity for this movie? He loves it as much as well. Oh, man, does he ever. I mean, he's... Well, I just wonder about that because I'm thinking about my son who's eight, you know, and I'm just wondering if it would, you know, captivate him enough to really... And I'm, and I'm going on my memory, but I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah, Al's but, also a big fan of like um, Buster Keaton and the Marx Brothers. That's and, awesome. Like, he loves the the classic comedies from the silent up into the 40s and 50s. Like that's Laurel uh, and Hardy. He loves all that stuff. So it's like <laughs> we we go through phases where all we'll watch is monster movies. And then the only stuff we'll watch are comedies. But then we have like those transition moments where we then are putting on Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man or whatever. You know, right, right, right. All right, man. Great pick. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. You're number one. My number one's very different, brother. And there's no way that I could not put the first horror movie that I showed my son. And I showed this to him last year. So he was seven Mm. when he saw it initially. My daughter saw this when she was, I think, eight. So seven, eight years old in that range is also when I saw it for the first time. I was about eight years old. My dad said, all right, let's do it. Let's watch this. So come on, man. I mean, it's one of my favorite. It's in my top five movies of all time. It's definitely what I consider my favorite family-friendly horror movie of all time, and it's Spielberg's Jaws from 1975. Yeah. The year I was born. It's a no-brainer for anyone that listens to the show regularly, like, okay, here's Jaws again. I mean, anytime there's any <laughs> list that Jaws is applicable, I'm like, yeah, it was Jaws. So, I mean, I, you know, I've said everything I could possibly say about this movie over the course of the, of the life of the show whenever it comes up, but it's, it was just an absolute game-changer. And not just in horror, but in movies, period. I mean, yeah. you know, some of the camera work, the use of the score in the movie, which is now iconic, and the way that it was a minimalist approach to scaring the shit out of you. Like, there's very little blood in this movie, and there's virtually no gore. There's like really one, maybe two jump scares in the movie. It's all just tension, right? It's all just this mm-hmm. atmospheric tension that's created from that opening scene which is still one of my favorite opening scenes in all of movies. And it just builds from that scene all the way through to the climax at the end when we, when Bruce does his thing, you know, and we, we get the, the <laughs> ultimate showdown there, you know? So I, I'll let you talk a little bit about Jaws. I absolutely love this movie. I bring it up all the fucking time. I think it came up when you came on, we did Holiday Horror. I think it was on that list. I probably put it on there. Yeah, <laughs> I, feel like I, I, did. I feel like we've talked about it at least two or three times. <laughs> yeah, just I'm, us. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. No, Jaws is amazing. It's a movie that I actually, because um, I teach uh, film, uh, film studies and screenwriting at DePaul University. And Jaws is one that comes up in my lectures constantly. And in any class, it actually finds a home because it really is that important. The narrative development is brilliant. Everything they do. I mean, the fact that 
Chief Brody's afraid of water and he's got to fight a shark. Like how perfect is that? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it cemented the the blockbuster distribution model that was started by Godfather and Exorcist and was then perfected with by Spielberg. Everything about this movie is lecture worthy. So mm-hmm. the fact that you've talked about it as much as you have on the show makes perfect sense to me because I talk about it constantly and I talked about it in both classes I've taught this week, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So probably you probably weren't surprised to hear it then. But, you know, for me, it's just like, well, it's, it, it was, it's the gateway horror film for my children, apparently. And I realize that because my daughter, you know, 13 years ago or whatever, she watched it. And my son just watched it last year. We watched it over July 4th last year. And it was his first official horror movie. And then there's a second one that we watched like the next day. That's in my honorable mentions I'll get to here in a minute. Which is a little more tame, in my opinion, than Jaws. But those were his first two, you know, kind of, if you want to call them adult horror movies, even though we're putting it on a family-friendly list. I mean, it was PG at the time. You know, if it came out now, let's be honest, it would probably be at least PG-13, I would imagine. Yeah. If I, it came out now. And they may even shoot for an R, you know, just, yeah, to, yeah. just to get it. But it's, you know, it's very, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it, it cashes in, you know, all those kind of like violent, gore aspects that you would see in a lot of you know like the other water horror movies if you will and just trades that in for like you know the tension and the atmospheric kind of dread that's there and kind of like that tension builds throughout the movie um i mean you know and this is in 75 when this came out so in the 70s you know i mean nobody wanted to go in the freaking ocean i mean that's how scared america was of this phenomenon jaws you know they're just like i'm not going to go to the ocean i'm not going to go to the beach yeah. you know so Spielberg, it, it was it was ingenious too because he did something where he's like, let's don't do any kind of supernatural or like you know whatever. Let's just take something real and just scare the shit out of people. And he did that. Um, you know, some people might say it's anti shark propaganda. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, <laughs> no, I I love that element of it. It's something that when I'm sitting down to write my movies you know and i write horror movies that's what i do Mm -hmm. um but whenever i'm putting together a script i always try to find my jaws like what is the thing that everybody does that i can make them afraid of in a way that either nobody has ever done or it's a thing that nobody's ever tried to make people afraid of yeah you know and i and i really like that's a challenge to me as a writer like everything in jaws is a challenge to me as a writer. It definitely is. And I feel like you and I talked about this a few years ago, but, you know, it's similar to, you know, what Hitchcock did with Taking a Shower. Yeah. Uh, and Psycho, we talked about that movie at length when we discussed it. But, you know, those types of things, you don't, they're like everyday things that you don't really think like, oh. And that's why, I know this doesn't apply to the list we're on tonight, but I mean, that's why to me, you know, the Final Destination franchise is so cool because it's like everyday shit that could kill you. you <laughs> know? I mean, you know, it's a, that kind of thing. So, yeah. All right. So, Jaws, my number one. I'll tell you what, Jeff, we're going to take a quick promo break. I got to crack open this beer over here, brother. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> when we come back, we will wrap up our top fives for everyone just to remind them what we had. And we will get into some of our honorable mentions that didn't quite crack the top five. Sit tight, everybody. We will be right back. clips made you wish for the good old days of TV, I've got great news. Rabbit Ears TV podcast is back. 
Each episode, we look back on a beloved series, ranging from the good old days of television to more modern classics. With the help of a superfan guest host, we will review, discuss, and reminisce about some of the most culturally impactful shows ever to air on TV. You can follow the show on Twitter at Rabbit Ears TV Pod, join the Couch Potato Group on Facebook, and check out our episode archives at netflixinswill.com slash rabbit ears. Look for new episodes the third Friday of each month. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming already in progress. We hold you in our hearts. And when we think about you, it makes me want to fart. <laughs> it's I hope we never part. Now get it right or pay the price. All right, guys, welcome back. As I said pre-break, Jeff from Cadavercast, good friend of the show, frequent guest of the show, is back this Halloween season, of course, and we are doing our family-friendly horror movies. Now, make sure you stay tuned to the end of this episode because I'm going to clip in Al's top five family-friendly films. He did that for us on the last couple episodes we did, and it's a lot of fun to get his perspective on some of these, Jeff, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and he's excited about this because... Yeah, well, he, it's you guys. He did put together a <laughs> list of this, but he was like five, maybe six when we did that. Wow. And he okay. legitimately does not remember oh. what was on that list. And so neither of us are looking at the episode. Uh, we're just going to kind of let it fly. And if it ends okay. up being the exact same list, then like, <laughs> whoops. I'm but, interested uh, <laughs> to see. I'm interested to <laughs> see. And uh, I might have Logan do one, too. I ha- you know, I was Ooh. talking to him a little bit about it tonight that we were going to be recording it. And he was kind of, you know, watching some YouTube videos with me and stuff like that. But he didn't give me a list yet. So I might get one from him, too. But yeah, so if you want to hear that, guys, stay tuned to the very end and you'll get to hear Al's top five. But before we get there, Jeff, I wanted to just remind everyone what our top fives were. So why don't you run through your five again, buddy, real quick? Yeah. So uh, from five to one, The Gate, Tremors, The Tingler, Ernest Scared Stupid. And Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. There it is, man. My number five was also The Gate. And then I had Paranorman, Return to Oz, Gremlins, and Jaws at my number one. You know, if I ever have time, man, when I'm off one day, I'm going to see how many lists I put Jaws on in the course (laughs) of this show. I wonder if it's like the most mentioned movie on my list. That'd be a fun thing to do, right? I yeah, I, I mean, that's a, I, I put all my list be. on. I put all my list on Letterbox, so I could probably find out if that's that's got to be up there though. As far as the most mentioned movie on on my list, Jaws. So that's my number one again this time for family friendly horror. All right, man, I've got five honorables here that didn't quite crack my top five, and it was tough, man. I actually left a couple out because I also mentioned them all the time, and I wanted <laughs> sure. to, and I wanted to give uh, love to some other ones like The Gate and Return to Oz, which I don't think I've ever mentioned either of those on this show. So I wanted to kind of mention those tonight. But what about you, man? Uh, how many honorable? Did you bring five as well? Yeah. All I right. Mean, what do you got? I ended up with a ton. I like, okay, two of them are just categories. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> there was just Joe Dante movies. Mm-hmm. Couldn't decide. Uh, shark movies. Yeah. Couldn't decide. Yeah. And then. That's fair. I had uh, Paranorman was in uh, Coraline those those two were like kind of neck and neck for me mm-hmm. but Paranorman was inevitably going to edge it out well, I'm glad to hear um, you say that because I I know people prefer Coraline it's in, my, it's in my honorables but I just love Paranorman man I love this the homage to horror in that movie yeah um and then a couple older ones uh the blob mm-hmm. from 1958 not the 88 which 
scarred me as a child. Yeah, I was going to say, it. are you doing the 80s? Because that one's a little <laughs> intense, brother. Oh, you... That is a that yeah. is a, a point in my like yeah. childhood that I remember vividly as like a no-go moment. Like that yep. was, <laughs> was bad times. Yeah. And then... Um, and then I had uh, Night of the Living Dead is yeah, one that I... Yeah, can I show Logan that? Tell me. Just be, I, be a parent. What do I do? <laughs> I feel like I know, want to show him that next, but I don't know. And it, the reason, like, this is definitely the lowest on my list, along with a bunch of others that I was like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know that a lot of kids could watch this or, like, whatever, King Kong. You got a lot of stuff to explain to kids if you're showing them King Kong, like, right. you know, with, like, the racial stuff, you know? Right. But, like, Night of the Living Dead is far as... Like zombie movies go, it's Paranorman, and then you got this one, and I don't know if there's any that you could really jam in between there, but no, um, yeah, it's it's gory and it's really scary, but like the gore is black and white, true, it's not, it's but it's one that really is contentious because there was well, like that, um, what was it in England? Somebody had shown a four-year-old Night of the Living Dead as a punishment. What? <laughs> or something like that. I haven't like heard that. this. Yeah, it was like this big thing like for a day on my Facebook feed that somebody wow. had shown this kid Night of the Living Dead and people were like, you can't show that to kids. And I was like, Yikes. you know, like hiding my eyes, you know, well, like don't look at me. different than eight or ten though, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and I don't think well, Al watched it until he was, I mean, well, when he first watched it, honestly, he was bored. So, like, it couldn't have made my list the top five because Al was bored as hell the first time he watched it. OK. All right. Well, you know, I, I, I always fear that with with my kids when it, you know, because I mean, as time goes on, you just it's just harder to keep their attention. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. You know, they're just more they need that, you know, sensory overload where this black and white Romero film from the 60s is just not going to, you know, check that box or whatever. But. I don't know. I I want to show him, like, I want to introduce him to a quote-unquote horror movie this year, you know? Mm -hmm. And last year it was Jaws, and another one I'm going to mention here in a second. So this year I was really, really considering Night of the Living Dead, but I'm just like, do I do it this year or do I do it next year? You know, he I don't might, know. He might be bored by it, because, I mean, there's a lot of them, like, watching TV, yeah. talking about boarding up the house. yeah. And, like, the zombie stuff is great, but there's a lot of them just, like, should we go upstairs or should we go in the basement? And I, <laughs> right, and like, right. Al was just like, where are the zombies, Dad? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's it's a buildup for sure. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I got off no, on the side thing again. That's, but that's kind of that's kind of it. My my honorable mentions was um, a mess of yeah, thoughts okay. I got that you. didn't <laughs> coalesce. Well, uh, let's see my number six. I'm just going to go six to 10 here. My number six would have been Beetlejuice, which you, have, you mm -hmm. and I have talked about before when we did Tim Burton films. I mean, you know, Beetlejuice, it's a horror comedy, but I love it so, so much. And Logan has also seen that one and he was a big fan of it. My number seven is probably the iffiest one on my list, and he has okay. not seen it yet. So along with The Gate, this is the other one that he has not seen yet. And I don't think I would be able to show him this one for another two or three years. I guess you can let me know if Al's seen it. But again, Spielberg's uh, handprints on this, but it's uh, Poltergeist dude, from, from 82. <sighs> It's too much, right? I can't show it. Poltergeist scarred me as a kid. The scene where the guy is in the bathroom and he starts pulling yeah, chunks of his, his face off. Face off, yeah. That that is and so the clown? not okay. Dude, the clown is too much too. <laughs> that in the tree, 
Yeah, it's too much. You're right. I looked at it while I was putting together this list and I was like, I saw that as a kid. I shouldn't have seen that as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking 10 or 11 probably on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still family, you know, it's just so you know, it's an 11 year old ish one. Uh, my number eight would have been Coraline, which you already mentioned. My number nine would have been Monster House, which was the other animated. Love Monster House, dude. Yeah, we do too. It's so. It, like it needs to be watched by everybody, but like yeah. nobody's watched it. I know it's so underseen, but yeah, and it's a really um, it's that Polar Express type animation too. I don't know what it's called. Forgive me, but it's yeah, where the they Zemeckis take yeah, it's where animation. they take like the actor's actual face and then they put animation on top of it or something like that. I don't know, but um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a form of CG. But yeah, the animation is really cool, and there's not a lot of films out there like that. You know, I mentioned Polar Express, but there's not very many more. And but the story is just cool, man. I mean, it's it's a haunted house movie, but it also takes this kind of like creature feature aspect to it yeah. because the house just kind of comes to life, you know. And then there's this beautiful love story in there with the, with the old man, and I won't give it away, but I mean, you know, his connection to the house, and you know, the kids living across the street. You know, I'm sure there's millions of kids who can remember growing up like with this creepy house in their neighborhood, you know. It's a perfect <laughs> Halloween movie. Yeah, like for sure. In general. Yeah. And it's uh, animated, which most people are going to connect to if you have family. So check out Monster House. And then my number 10 would have been the other horror classic that we watched last year for the first time with Logan. And that's Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, yeah. In 1954. So that's my universal monster movie that I put on my list because it's always been my favorite. Uh, I just love the, you know, now this trope has been beaten to death since then. But I love that this was kind of like the first, like, you know, the humans are the real monsters. You know, the monster's not the yeah. monster. You know, the monster's just misunderstood, you know. And now it's like, okay, we've seen that literally a thousand times every year. We see that. But, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon was kind of ahead of its time in that respect. So, and, you know, he enjoyed it. He sat through the whole thing. You know, it, it, was, it was cool to see him kind of like, we have a poster of it in my living room, like the movie posters hanging up in our, in our family room. So he kind of yeah. knew it from that, too. He's like, oh, that's the poster we have. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he enjoyed it. So Creature from the Black Lagoon would have rounded out my top ten. Well, there you go. Jeff from Cadavercast, what do you think, man? That was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, good time. I, I hope, mean, uh, you know, sad that it's the last time we do this I on know, here. Man. But I know. Uh, congrats on five years of an awesome show. I mean, one more week, you know, but. Yeah, Still, sure, man. Real close. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, man. And obviously, you know, uh, you and I will stay in touch. And, uh, you know, if you ever need me for your show, I, I, I'm I'm always open to guests on other people's shows. And who knows, man? I mean, I want to do other stuff in the future after this new job's kind of off the ground. And I'm, i got a little yeah. more time on my hands. I'll be doing some working from home in the new year. So it'll be a little bit easier, hopefully. So who knows, man, I'll be around. I mean, people know how to find me. I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving the world. You know what I mean? I'll be here. Not going off the grid. Yeah, no, I'll still be around. But uh, in the meantime, Jeff, thanks so much for being here, man. It means a lot to me. And like I said, four years in a row, you've been on for one of our October epis. And then of course, you've done a few here and there in between. And you've just been a great friend and a great collaborator. And I really appreciate you, man. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find Cadavercast? Because I think they should definitely look it up, man. Yeah, oh boy, we're all over the place. So, uh, Cadavercast, we are on like SoundCloud and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and I don't know, man. Um, it's oh, too much. It's too many. Why are yeah. there so many? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
so many. I was I'm I was just putting it on a couple other services recently. So <laughs> and I, you're like more services. Like, like people are people are like, hey, I looked for you on here and I didn't find you. I was like, oh, okay, uh, I'll figure right. that out. Yeah, you know, um, it's too much. Look for us if you don't find us. Hit me up on Twitter and I'll put us there. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Give me another service that right. you need me to put you on. Yeah, I mean, uh, where, right. wherever it needs to be, we'll put it. I mean, you know, since uh, since the stuff with uh, the Joe Bob Briggs show, like, been really making sure we're available out yeah. there. I love it, man. I love it, and I'm happy for you for that as well. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Uh, one more episode of the spooky themed but also one more episode of the peas we will be back next week and we will have the extravaganza finale my buddies from over at the epic film guys brain stew justin and jeremy are going to be on and the three of us are going to try to somehow come up with five to ten 1980s horror films that we are naming as our favorite so what a way to <laughs> what a way to go out <laughs> give me That's a migraine a i'm gonna have a stress headache for like a week uh, narrowing that down, but that's what we'll do to wrap out the show. And Jeff, thanks again for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me again, man. And again, congrats from, I mean, both of us, Al will probably say it in his clip whenever the hell yeah. you get that. But yeah, make sure that reminds me, make sure everybody stays tuned here in just a minute to hear Al's top five family friendly horror movies. I love hearing his list. It always kind of surprises me a little bit. So I'm interested to see. Yeah, I'm always surprised too. He's he's got a uh, stuff going on in his head that I don't I, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, all right, check the show notes, guys, and make sure you hit up Jeff and Al. Follow them, subscribe, give them a thumbs up, do all that kind of stuff. And we'll see you next week for another spooky themed episode of Two Peas. I'll see you guys then. Everybody, take care. Hi Gerald, it's me, Al from Cadavercast, and this is my top five family-friendly horror movies. So, in my fifth place is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which is basically Abbott and Costello, which is like a comedy team. They meet the classic Universal monsters. In fourth place is Ernest Scared Stupid, which is one of the Ernest movies where it's like he summons this like ancient monster guy who turns his friends into stone and he has to take him out with milk or something. In third place is Beetlejuice, which is two people become ghosts and they have to defend a house from being destroyed or something. In second place is Hotel Transylvania 3, which is one of the Hotel Transylvania movies. They go to like this island place and then they get attacked by this monster hunter guy. In first place is Monster House, which is about these three kids. And there's this monster house, which they have to take out basically. That is my top five family friendly horror movies. Thanks for having me on.